Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of God, we started the series of sermons on living in the fullness of God, focused on Paul's prayer that the Ephesians would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. May we be filled with the things that fill God, you, me, each of us as a congregation. May what fills God fill us too. May our lives be rich and full in that abundance that overflows from God. And over the past two weeks, we've seen that God fills our lives with grace and God fills our, love, our, our, uh, our lives with unity, belonging, being part of something that's beautiful. And today we're going to focus on the truth of Ephesians 5 verse 2, which speaks of God filling us with love. God fills us with a love that, that we, are, we are looking at how wide and how broad and how deep and how wonderful this love is. And it says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of, God, of love. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Be like God. Paul says. That's, that's our calling, to be like God and live a life of love. Literally, our, our passage says we are to walk in love. Walk in the way of love. When Christ is in your, in your heart, you walk in a certain path. You walk in a certain direction. You, you take steps toward certain goals. And, and when Christ is in your heart, that goal is love that you walk this path of love. It's, it's, a, it's a path that Christians follow, and we do that by imitating God, who is love, who incarnated love, who communicates his love to us. And as we walk on that path of love, we think about God. We think about the characteristics of the love that fills God. And for one thing, it's a committed kind of love. We are dearly loved, it says in our passage, as, as dearly loved children. Be like God. God loves us as dearly as parents love their children. And, and for those of you who are parents who have welcomed children in, in your life, as soon as you have that baby in, in your arms, you look at this baby and you say, I, I will do anything for this baby. I will do anything for this child. It's like, I don't know, something comes over you. 
From the day you hold your baby in your arms, you love them with a deep and tenacious love. And it never goes away. I, I watched uh, an interview with a, a woman who was over 90. And, you know, what's it like to be over 90 and, and all these things? And, and she was still worried about her 70-year-old daughter. <laughs> you just never get over it. You're always a parent. You're always worrying about your kids. You're always thinking about them. Parents never stop caring. They are committed to us. We are dearly loved children of God, and God loves us as dearly as that. He is committed to us. From eternity, he's deeply committed to us and our redemption. He never gave up on this world when it rebelled against him, and he never gave up on you. He never gave up on me. I once heard Lewis Smeads give a, a lecture, and he talked about commitment. He wrote it, he made it into a book, those lectures, and he, talked, he said that once I make a commitment to someone, I ask that person to trust me that I will be there. Commitments create certainty in the unsurety of tomorrow. We, we don't know what happens tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. But when we make a commitment, we say, I will be there. You can count on me. No matter what happens, I, I will be there for you. It's a great gamble because we don't know what's going to happen. Who can predict the future? And that's what commitments are invented for. When we surrender our precious, most pre precious possession, our freedom, we limit ourselves to another person. And as Smeads put it, when I make a promise, I create an island of certainty in a heaving ocean of uncertainty. And that's the way God is with us. He makes a commitment to us and gives certainty to us, certainty to our future. God made covenants with Noah. He made a, an agreement, a covenant with Abraham and with Moses and with David. And in those commitments, he said, no matter what you do, I am going to stay your God. And you are going to stay my people. You can run you can hide, you can follow other, other gods and blow me off, but I will still be there. I dearly love you as my children. And through the prophets, God spoke about his aching heart for his people who did abandon him again and again. And the pain of seeing them forget their relationship and follow the bright lights of this world made his heart ache. And yet the message from the prophets, spoken through his mouthpieces, God said, I love you. And he invites, uh, he, he spoke that inviting, loving, hospitable word. And he said, come. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Come, and I will cleanse you, and I will set you free. God is always true to his commitment to us. And God's commitment to this world and to us ultimately sent his son into the world to make a new covenant. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to give us eternal life, to pay for our sins. Je in Jesus, we have a new certainty. God will love us. And that's the love that we are called to imitate. That's the, that's the kind of love we, we need to be about 
a committed love that has staying power. You know, I, I knew a, a couple, and they had a son, and their son got addicted. I don't know how it happened, but he, he, he went on a journey of addiction. And as he fell deeper and deeper into his addiction, no amount of talking, no amount of arguing, no amount of threats could make him stop. And he lost his job. And then he started stealing from his parents so that he could keep up his addiction. And eventually they asked him to leave. And they couldn't take it anymore. And yet they never stopped loving him. They never, they didn't do it because they hated him. They knew the power of addiction and yet they always held out hope for him that one day he would hit bottom and he'd come back. And he did. He went to a rehabilitation center and he got clean. And then he got out and he didn't know where to go anymore. He was picking up his life and who did he call? He called his mom. Of course you can come back. His parents, who he knew would help him. They would keep their boundaries for sure, but they would help him back up. And he's had a hard time, and he's fallen a few times. But it, the committed love is, of his parents is an island of certainty in the heaving ocean of uncertainty. We all have people in our lives we're tempted to give up on. We've all had it up to here with them. We know that boundaries are important and they need to be kept and we know that actions have natural consequences and we need to let them happen and sometimes we have to accept broken bonds and yet still God is filling us with a love that is committed to others. As Lewis Smead said so powerfully years ago, when we commit ourselves to each other, to friends, to family, to brothers and sisters in Christ, the oppressed, the, the disadvantaged, when we stand behind our promises through thick and thin, we are like God. We show that we are being filled with his fullness, with his love. And the love of God is also a forgiving love. Our passage says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive one another. To forgive someone is to send that something that stands in between you away. To forgive is to stop that, that brokenness from, from breaking down a relationship totally. What did God do when he forgave us, when he forgave you? God refused to let our sin get in the way of a relationship that he wanted for, with us. So he sent it away. In, in Psalm 103, it says, So as far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When, when someone hurts us, when someone does something that, that they shouldn't have done for us, when they, when they said something that hurt, or, or they did something or didn't do something that hurt us, we don't always know what to do. We don't always know how to respond to that person. Like, do I say something? Do I confront that person? Do I stand up and, you know, and, and fight for myself? You know, sometimes we, we come up with an excuse. Sometimes we say, oh, boys will be boys. Oh, she doesn't know any better. He didn't mean it. She does that to everyone. 
or we turn a blind eye to it, or, or we let it ride, or, or we don't make a fuss, and we just, you know, lie down until it goes away somehow. But that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is much braver and much bolder. Forgiveness looks like right at sin. It looks right at the harm, and, and, and looks at the, the full force of it of all that it caused, all the pain, all the suffering, all, all the, the rage and the pain, and it names it for what it is. And then it does something unbelievable. It does something remarkable and, and totally unexpected. It turns back the flow of pain and sends the blame away. As Frederick Wiechner once wrote, to forgive someone is to so say in one way or another, you've done something unspeakable. And by all rights, I should call it quits between us. My pride and my principles demand no less. However, although I make no guarantees that I will be able to forget what you have done, <clears throat> and though we both carry the scars for life, I refuse to let it stand between us. I still want you as my friend. To accept forgiveness means to admit that you've done something unspeakable that needs to be forgiven, and thus both parties must swallow the same thing, their pride. Forgiveness is always a process. It needs repentance. It needs confession. It needs mutual feeling of pain <clears throat> and the sending away of the offense. And sometimes it even happens without one party participating. And we for can forgive the ones who hurt us even without them confessing or repenting. And when we forgive, we are like God. And we show that we are being filled with his fullness, his love, God's love is also sacrificial. Our passage says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus' death wasn't just a tragic miscarriage of justice by some Roman, Roman praetor in some backwater province of, of the Roman Empire. It was more than that. It was a sacrifice for the good of everyone. It was an atoning death where God let go of his anger that, at the world that he created and it, that had turned away from him. And it brought two parties back together, God and creation. As Jesus once said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay one's life down for one's friends. And that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, it says, Jesus gave up being God in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. <clears throat> in Jesus, God laid his life down for us, his friends. <clears throat> he, gave us, he gave up everything for us. And the resulting peace and the freedom that comes from that sacrifice is the reason we come together. It's the reason we sing. <clears throat> it's the reason we, we give our whole lives to him. It, follow, it, it brings us to a life that's abundant, free, and eternal. And we are invited to that sacrificial life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Our whole lives 
are a sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving for what Jesus has done for us. And the Philippian Christians lived that way. One time Paul was spending a lot of time in, in jails, in, Philippian, in the Roman jails, and needed the help of the Christian community <clears throat> for daily food and supplies. And the Philippian church provided richly and sacrificially for him. And this is the way he describes their support. He says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. <clears throat> I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Which is the same thing that is said about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 5. Their love moved them to give sacrificially for the sake of the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to love better. I want to be a person who they say about, that, about me, now there's a person who knows how to love. And I think that's what, you wanna, that's what you're thinking too. <clears throat> you want to love better. We want to be more positive. <clears throat> we want to be more open. We want to be that, you know, those people that are approachable and, and available and engaged with others. We want to love better. So I Googled. I mean, what do you do when you want to love better? Well, you go to Google. <laughs> and I wrote, I want to love better. And uh, there's a lot of websites. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Somebody's pulling his, his phone out right now. Um, Oprah has six new ideas for, for be getting better at love. The New York Times offers 10 <clears throat> ways to love better. The Happiness Planner offers a whole guide of being better at love. And the Bible says the answer is imitating the sacrificial love of God. To love with a committed, <clears throat> forgiving love often takes sacrifices on our part. To give up our time, to give up our energy, to give up our right to be bitter, to give up our advancement. To sacrifice is to give something put something, someone else's needs in front of your own. Without sacrifice, we become a church that's like a social club with a nice religious facade and the piety of religious practices. And we become the kind of church that speaks earnestly about <clears throat> wanting to grow spiritually, but only when it's convenient and only when I'm in control. As Stephen Covey says, sadly, many people want religion, or at least the appearance of it, without any sacrifice. They want more spirituality but would never miss a meal in meaningful fasting or do one act of anonymous service to achieve it. Sacrificial love means we walk alongside people. We, as Jesus says, go the extra mile. We lower ourselves. We let go of our pride, our prejudice, our racism. We let our hearts be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And we share our power, we give up control, and we let go of the things we love for the sake of something bigger than us, something more valuable, someone else. When we love sacrificially, we are like God. We show that we are being filled with his fullness, with his love. And I believe that Paul is answering, our God is answering Paul's prayer that we may be filled to the measure of the very fullness of God. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that about, about your life every day? You 
are being filled with the fullness of God. The very things that fill God are filling you when you are in Christ Jesus. Love fills God. God is love. And in our own little ways, in our relationships, at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, we act the same way God acted toward us. We imitate God with a love that's committed, forgiving, sacrificial. This is the full life of God showing up in us as we follow the path of, of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your love, which is boundless. It's high, and it is deep, and it is wide, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And we look to you, and we see Christ, and we see how he was so deeply committed to us, and he forgave us, and he sacrificed his life for us. Lord, for the love that he showed, we give you thanks. And we ask that through your Holy Spirit, we may be filled with that same love. For it is the path of eternal life, the path of abundant life, the path of love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.